Hello, and welcome to the Magnify Him Together podcast for teens. My name is Tim Young. I'm glad to be back with you talking about stress, anxiety, and worry. You remember in the last episode, we talked about your teen brain. Although your brain may have stopped growing in size, it is still maturing or wiring together all sorts of functions until you're in your mid-20s. Therefore, when it comes to stresses and strains, this is the most important time of your life to be aware of mental health issues that could affect you, things like anxiety or depression. So we found that one in five teens struggle with mental health and that most disorders start in your teens. Now, I think you'll agree that there's a lot of stress in your teenage years. There are a lot of new responsibilities that you have to figure out. Schoolwork looms large and all the tests and the pressure to get good grades, which university you might attend, if you can even get in. If you're going on to continued education, then what are you going to commit to studying? You're pressured to decide what you're going to do with the rest of your life. That's big. Starting a new job. How about learning how to drive and taking a driving test? Maybe you're stressed about the complexion of your skin. Maybe you're nervous about that certain person of the opposite sex that you like so much but don't know what to do. Yes, new relationships can be exciting but also stressful. I mean, who are you going to marry if you ever do find someone? There is a lot going on. No wonder you feel stressed out. Stressed out. Stressed out. Stress is what makes you feel worried or anxious. But did you know that stress can be a good thing? There are bad stresses called distress, and there are good stresses called eustress. When I say eustress, that's spelled E-U-S-T-R-E-S-S, eustress. Did you know that? It's not that the stressors are any different, but it's our reaction to them, which are either good, eustress, or bad, distress. So good stress motivates and helps us focus our energy to do something exciting, accomplish a task, or Go through a major life change. For instance, getting ready to go to Manitoulin Bible Camp should be a eustress. You know, finding a job really should be a eustress. Getting married should be a eustress. Recording a podcast uh, should be a eustress. If you find yourself worrying a lot, you need to stop and think about your stressors. Is it right for you to worry? Is worry a sin? Well, depends actually what you're worrying about. Did you know that the Bible has positive examples of worry or anxiety, which we call eustress? Take, for example, the Apostle Paul. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 28, he is compelled to list all of his trials and tribulations from being lashed, imprisoned, stoned, shipwrecked, and in constant peril. I mean, you thought you had it bad. Yet for all this, he ends up by saying, Beside those things that are without, that which cometh upon me daily, the care of all the ecclesias. Now, that word care in the King James is the Greek word merimna. So, once you remember that word, that Greek word merimna, to the Greek, it meant worry or anxiety. So, another flavor of the word is concern or care, and often in our King James Bible, it's translated as care. But let me read that same verse to you in the English Standard Version, the ESV. It says, And apart from other things, there is the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the ecclesias. You see, Paul was worried about the ecclesias. 
and he felt daily pressure for it. Is Paul right to worry over the ecclesia? Well, of course he is. You'll notice that his concern was for all of the ecclesias. It's in the plural. What motivated Paul to dedicate himself so much to the work of God? Who would go through all that stress? Well, Paul would. It was a eustress to him. His worry for the ecclesia motivated him to do wonderful things for God. You know, and Timothy was just like the Apostle Paul in that he worried about his brothers and sisters in Christ. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 20, Paul said, I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your state, for all seek their own, not the things which are Jesus Christ. So there's that word care again, which is our Greek word marimna. And Timothy had a, a genuine concern for the brothers and sisters, just like Paul. No wonder they were so close. They had the same good stress driving them on in their work. If this was the example of Paul and Timothy, then where does that put us? Well, listen to one more. Here's another good worry. It's from 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 25. And Paul says, There should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care one for another. Oh, there's that word care again, the Greek word marimna. Now, every translation has the word care or concern, but it is that word that's the same positive worry causing us to have that sympathy so that when one suffers, we suffer. When one rejoices, we rejoice. That is eustress. And when we don't have it, the result is distress and inevitable division or schism in the body or in our ecclesias. Now, that's good worry, but unfortunately in our life, there's a lot of bad worry. How often are you anxious? You'll be trying to concentrate on something and you keep getting distracted to a problem. You lie awake at night with something churning in your mind, causing you consternation. The more you think about it, the more your palms sweat. There's this pit in your stomach. Your heart beats faster. Now, we've all felt that way. The question is, how often do you feel that way? And just because you worry doesn't mean something is, is wrong. But there are types of worry that are a sin, as we've talked about. It's very common for people to be overwhelmed by anxiety, so much so that it becomes a disorder, a mental illness. According to the Anxiety and Depression Association of America, anxiety disorders are the most common mental illness in the United States, affecting 40 million adults in the United States age 18 and older. That is 18.1% of the population every year. That's a lot of people. And there are many types of anxiety disorders, but I'll give you an example. One of them is called a panic disorder. And someone who suffers from a panic disorder describes it this way. He says, it feels like my throat is being choked. My arms start tingling because I'm breathing shallowly and not getting enough oxygen, which of course panics me more. Now, that's interesting because the word anxious in English comes from the Latin word to choke. It's a word very descriptive of the feelings it brings. Another person described their panic attack this way. One day, without any warning or reason, a feeling of terrible anxiety came crashing down on me. I felt like I couldn't get enough air. No matter how hard I breathed, my heart was pounding out of my chest and I thought I might die. I was sweating and I felt dizzy. I felt like I had no control over these feelings and like I was drowning and couldn't think straight. 
After what seemed like an eternity, my breathing slowed and eventually let go of the fear and my racing thoughts, but I was totally drained and exhausted. These attacks started to occur every couple of weeks, and I thought I was losing my mind. My friends saw how I was struggling and told me to call my doctor for help. Indeed, it is good advice to go see a doctor because there can be physical symptoms that are causing this. But in many cases, there is no seeming cause. The person is just unable to process however much stress they are under and it affects them both mentally and physically. Some people seem more susceptible to it than others. I even know a few brothers and sisters in the Lord Jesus Christ who have been afflicted by these panic attacks in one form or another. Well, nowadays, a doctor is most likely to recommend a form of psychotherapy called Cognitive Behavioral Therapy, or CBT for short. I don't know if you've ever heard of that, but according to the National Institute of Mental Health, they describe it this way. CBT teaches you different ways of thinking, behaving, and reacting to the feelings that come on with a panic attack. Now, that's interesting because what does the teachings of Jesus tell us about anxiety? Is not the Lord's calling to recognize bad thinking as cognitive and to amend our ways, our behavior? Men and women have always worried. The Bible already has cognitive behavioral therapy. Jesus is our therapist, and we need to listen to him very carefully. In the parable of the sower, one of the soils is more susceptible than most to anxiety. Now, you can look at this in Matthew chapter 13, verse 22, and you will see it is the thorny soil. So what Jesus says there, he says, He also that receives seed among the thorns is he that heareth the word, and the care of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and he becometh unfruitful. Ah, did you notice? There's our word care, and that is our Greek word marimda, meaning worry or anxiety. Anxiety over things of the world is obviously bad. Its effect is to choke the word, Jesus says, which is the very meaning and feeling of anxiety. That's what worry does. It chokes the word so that we cannot grow to maturity. Now, Jesus puts it another way in Luke chapter 21 and verse 34, and I'll read this from the ESV. It says, But watch yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and cares of this life, and that day come upon you suddenly like a trap. So there again is our word cares, which is the Greek word marimna, translated as cares of this life. Surprisingly, if you notice, it's paired with dissipation, which means squandering and debauchery, kind of like what the prodigal son did. And drunkenness. Well, cares and worry about this life is like being drunk? That's pretty serious. And it is. It is like that because worry affects our minds. It, it clouds our thinking. And, and just like being drunk, you're not going to be ready for the coming of Christ because your worry is going to be a weight. It's going to be a burden. Now, Jesus' greatest teaching on worry and anxiety is in Matthew chapter 6. It's the greatest instruction we could ever have. What he says starts in verse 25, and I'm going to read from the ESV here again. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. 
So the ESV translates that word merimna here as anxious. If you have a King James Bible, you'll see it says, take no thought about your life. Merimna also has the idea of what fills the mind, but really it has this idea of worry or anxiousness. So let me read it again in the ESV. Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? This verse starts with the word therefore, and so we must connect it with what Jesus says in the verse before. Let's go back and read that. It says, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. Do you see the connection? Worry concerning things of this life can become our master. Money is personified as if it were enslaving us, money or mammon. Anxiety is our worship to materialism, to stuff, to things. And once again, we get the seriousness of worry. It is a sin. If we worry, then mammon becomes our God. But if we trust and have faith, then the Lord is our God. So the level of our anxiety and our our worry is often a, a level of our need to turn to God more. What does Jesus tell us to do in such situations? Well, if we keep reading in the chapter, he instructs us to lift up our heads to the skies and consider the birds of the air, to become cognitive of God's creation around you. Take some time to slow down and contemplate the wonder of a small little bird like a sparrow. God knows every sparrow and he cares for them, Of course, they are always busy about life, but God provides for their needs. If God made and cares for such a wonderful creature, then how much more for you? So if Jesus was living today, he'd basically be saying, you know, get your face out of your phone or away from a screen, get outside. If we're troubled and anxious, should we not do as Jesus says and stop and stoop down and look closely at a flower? What a fantastic piece of artistry. It's truly glorious. If God puts so much into a flower that is gone tomorrow, then how much more is he preparing us for glory? That's his ultimate purpose, is it not? It is of little consequence if we don't do well on a test as we hoped. It is of little consequence if we don't get that promotion at our job. It's of little consequence that our children don't grow up to be rocket scientists On the other hand, it is of great consequence if we do not get into the kingdom of God. Of course, God wants us to live and do our best, but he doesn't want us to become overshadowed by constant concern of the things of this life. Worry is simply a distorted perspective on life. These are the things that the Gentiles seek after because they don't have God. God knows what our needs are, and he will supply sufficiently. The necessities of life are second in our thoughts and cares. As a matter of priority, the kingdom of God is first, as Jesus says in Matthew 6, verse 33, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Now, if you have a lot of worries and anxieties, I know it's not easy, and Jesus never said it would be easy, but we have to constantly keep at his words and constantly changing our thinking 
like he said. I hope this has been a blessing for you. We'll continue on uh, next week in our next podcast by starting to talk about the things that make us sad and depression. Depression.